Hello and welcome to the Space Between podcast. I am William and I'm Katie and in this podcast we talk about the complexities of life, faith in the 21st century and everything in between. Often that space between is where a lot of us find ourselves. We hope to provide a place where people can be honest and we can engage with one another with compassion wherever we may end up on our journey. Hello and welcome to the Space Between podcast. Today, Katie and I are going to have a discussion about the role of women in church, the standards that are placed on them, their experience, some of Katie's experience, um, and then also some of the changes of opinion that can often happen for men, like myself, as they go through sort of deconstruction. Um, Mine was much more political than it was theological, but we'll just get straight into the discussion. So, Katie, as a woman, (laughs) tell us a little bit about your experience in the church. I would say I never had a concept of women being told what they can or cannot do until I was part of church. So I grew up in a home that, yeah, we were sent to Sunday school and you were brought up with kind of Christian values and knowledge, but definitely wasn't a direct influence in my life. You know, we didn't go on Sundays and so on. And my dad is a very masculine man fits all the kind of stereotypical gender roles of a man. Um, But despite that, he brought us up to enjoy and do whatever we want to do, no matter whether we were a boy or a girl. So if I wanted to like rugby, I could like rugby, even though it was majority boys that liked it. If I wanted to be the prime minister, my dad would say yeah you can do that even though lots of people try and tell girls that they shouldn't have an opinion in those types of things or you know as we know it's predominantly men that are in higher roles in society so I was coming from that kind of background and always being very like yeah I can do whatever I want never really fitting into any stereotype it was quite tomboyish but still liked you know Barbies and stuff too so pretty much got to enjoy both sides of the coin so it wasn't until I joined church like started following Jesus um and it started to become a direct influence that I started to hear this narrative that people were really funny about women doing certain things or Mm -hmm. like as a teenager you started to see kind of and hear from people really kind of sexist remarks but they think it's totally okay or totally normal um so that that came in obviously I was a teenager and the more I got involved in church I suppose if you want to say I had leadership roles yep and sometimes I may have been the only girl sitting around a table and you kind of still had to bat off kind of stupid jokes yep and things like that or you just kind of felt like you had to make your voice a wee bit louder at times now I am quite lucky in terms of the church that I was part of. They definitely um, promoted women in leadership as in there was female elders and things like that. But before I had went to that church, I never really saw um, a woman on stage, if you, you know, from that perspective. But also as part of a church that had consistently voted against women being in official leadership Mm -hmm. capacity. So it's a really interesting concept because I have this thing in me where I can go and do whatever I want and 
I'm quite strong-headed that way in terms of yeah I'm gonna go do that but all of a sudden I was now there's a limitation Expo- yeah place, I was yeah. exposed to this like world that I had never been exposed to mm-hmm. from like being brought up in the family I was brought up in yeah like what about even with the other sort of men in your dad's life even at the rugby club and stuff like that and from what you've told me they were your biggest sort of encouragers and, yeah. and champions <laughs> I know I still, I'm still to be interrogated by all I of them <laughs> I know so that's the thing like dad um loves rugby but is very much involved in our local rugby club so my brother played rugby but we were then dragged along while we played our sport which was hockey which is predominantly a female played sport where I'm from um we still then the rest of your Saturday was going to the rugby club with dad and so you were just constantly surrounded by like loads of men but it was never like a they treated you any differently it was just you were like one of the kids and you were brought in and like to this day they, they love to see me if I like call in because yeah and they love when you can give the banter back and stuff and when you can sit and have a pint of Guinness with them yeah and it's never like a oh you shouldn't be here or whatever it's like they'll literally make room at the table for you type yeah. thing so and recently it's been really lovely even to see they've recently set up a female um rugby team which a friend and family member are a part of and it's so lovely even I've shown you the messages that the guys write under when they put up pictures and stuff it's like yeah "Yeah, welcome to the like club because it is like a family and these men aren't being like no you can't come in to our space Mm -hmm. which I find can sometimes be the case in church there's almost like people seem to get really get like put their backs up or something and I just I can't I can't fathom it personally just because of the experience I had outside of church yeah so I really had to like learn to balance it um but also felt like I went through a phase where I almost felt like I had to change who I was yeah to appear more girly to appear more feminine because if I'm not feminine enough or if I don't kind of fit into that role or if I appear too tomboyish no one's gonna want to marry me yeah. Lord forbid. <laughs> Do you know, like these kind of like that's the highest goal in life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I worked with young people for a long time, and um, within the church context, now while obviously there was a lot of faith aspect to that, we did focus on other things. And um, I remember doing this. I wrote a program um for girls sixteen to eighteen, so a kind of really crucial stage of that kind of side of um teenage life for girls and. We explored all the kind of typical things, um, self-esteem, relationships. Um, but I remember getting them to do a, do you think this is true or false type thing? You know, where you have to go to one side of the room or the other. And I yeah. remember asking like something to do with women don't want to really push themselves into certain positions or do really well in X, Y, and Z. And all of them said they felt that was true because they personally felt that if they had a certain personality which was you know I can do this and I'm gonna kind of stand up for myself or I'm gonna be a leader I'm gonna take charge they felt even at that age of like 16 to 18 years old that if they were like that within the setting that they belonged to yeah that no one would ever want to be with them and they wouldn't get to have a family and they wouldn't get to have this or that and I that just made me really sad yeah and I was like 
yes I understand that this is in secular world as well totally we see that like day in and day out but I think it's even it's felt even stronger in a church setting that's just my personal opinion it seems like the expectations are maybe like more clear of what a woman like should do for many churches like even if you look at some evangelical churches where the senior pastors even though they're technically equal in status they never really are it's always the man that's preaching more he's the one that's making the decisions mm. he'll be in all the meetings whereas the the female pastor will maybe be just kind of dealing with decorations or having coffee catch-ups with people mm. and they take on these two very distinctively different roles rather than looking at them both as individuals with individual talents if you know what mm. I mean yeah I definitely see that and what I find really interesting as well is that as I said the church I belong to just before um, moving to Scotland, it's still family in a lot of senses and they championed women a lot of the time, but still there was like, not necessarily from the front, but within the general kind of wider church conversations that you're naturally part of, mm-hmm. not necessarily the one that you go to every Sunday, but that you dip in and out of the kind of global picture. Yep it's just like picked up or something it's like unspoken almost which I feel like is almost even worse (laughs) because I feel like it's harder to unravel or harder to kind of pull apart because people don't even realize that it's happening yeah or that they think a certain way or they might joke in a certain way or and you know me I'm not sensitive or precious Northern Irish banter is all about tearing somebody's shreds. Yeah. So it's not even that you're being overly sensitive to certain jokes, but you can hear them. And I think sometimes people don't realise what actual impact that has, especially on younger girls as they're coming up. Um, and you just let it slide, because like I even remember the youth group that I was part of. Looking back at it is mainly positive memories like all really good stuff still great friends with a lot of the people from it um but some of the jokes that would be allowed or that were pretty consistent were definitely had this sort of slant of that sort of sly joke of oh go make me a sandwich or whatever that you're just like (laughs) all right cool and it was just allowed it was it was just always allowed and everyone kind of thought oh well it's not got that big of an impact but then you get to like 18 year old for a young adults camp and the rather than it just being these little jokes it's oh guys are allowed to wear whatever they want at the swimming pool girls you can't wear a bikini though Mm. because like it's just totally different standards yeah definitely but as I said I think I've seen both positive and negative within the church spheres that I was in I saw lots of great young females that were up doing their thing and were really passionate and pursued certain positions that because of their talents and abilities they quite rightly deserve to be in so that is great to have seen that um but I still felt that anytime I were to bring up the word feminism (laughs) people like get I find that even that upset people yeah they're like oh no no I'm not that and you're like, well, I'm not against women, but I'm <clears throat> I'm against feminism. Yeah, and <laughs> That's I'm like, the way people would get on. Yeah, yeah, and it's really interesting because obviously today there's lots of different expressions of feminism, right? So, but in its pure essence, it's just that men and women should be treated equal in society, should be given the equal opportunity, like civil 
rights and so on. Yep. If we just want to make it as basic and plain English as possible. And so I find it really hard to understand why people are afraid of that. But it's because there's this thing kind of, I think, built inside of you where you're like, no, 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 no. This is the way it has to be. And when you mention certain words like that, they get afraid because it shifts dynamics and people aren't prepared to do that. Yeah. It's like when you're in a position of like privilege, equality becomes like a form of uh, persecution almost to a lot of guys yeah. that they'll think that if it's equal, oh, well, that means that I'm going to lose out and they get scared about it. Mm-hmm. Why do, from a male perspective, what, you know, what has been your experience of that then? Have you ever, because I've only ever known you in the, um, in the world of you're very much, yes, champion women and, and all of that and you completely admit when maybe I'm better at something than you are and vice versa not yep. that I am too often but mm. you have no issue in letting me lead on something if it's within my ability yeah yeah exactly but what was your experience then well I started really in the evangelical church when I was like 12 or, or 13 I think and when I came into it, like one of the first Sundays that was there, it was a woman speaking. I didn't really see any sort of Im- impediment to women progressing or, or being successful in it. Although, like you said, there was definitely those under sort of currents of women definitely taking the sort of second place. Um, It was like almost equal, but like not quite. Um, So from the start, I personally was very egalitarian, very much like, and uh, on a theological level that men and women are no different and should be treated exactly the same so I've always been that way theologically but the longer that I spent time in evangelical circles it was more the political side of things that I began to become like more conservative in and that was just because of the people I was surrounded with the voices that I listened to so for those of you who kind of know of it and it's like horrendous thinking that I used to watch them like all the time but like Prager U videos used to love them and go through them like they were nothing else which was like debunking the gender pay gap or whatever or watching (laughs) Jordan Peterson prove that feminism was wrong and all this and it was definitely the political side which I kind of got caught up in for a little while um but theologically I always kind of affirmed that like men and women were equal the change for me like really happened I remember when I was sort of with my ex that as I was kind of going through deconstruction and rethinking a lot of things theologically um she said to me well how are you supposed to lead me Mm. (laughs) I was just like wait what 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 do you mean (laughs) imagine me saying that (laughs) I'm not I'm not laughing at anybody in particular I'm just laughing at I can't ever imagine personally saying those words like to you yeah exactly (laughs) because you're like well I would I would just lead if I was incapable of it (laughs) (laughs) I remember kind of jokingly saying at the time well like I am leading in a certain direction it's just you don't want to come with me because she was very much against the whole deconstruction that was going through and at the same time I was a bit like well 
each of us take individual responsibility for our own walk with God, for our own faith and things like that. So why should I feel the need to lead? But that was just the way that mm. she'd been brought up was that it's the, the husband's role to sort of take the lead in our walk with the Lord. He should be leading me in daily devotionals and prayer time or whatever. And it was just a bit like, well, we all engage with God like totally differently Mm -hmm. if you do engage with God then it's going to be individual like I really enjoy sort of meditations and we have tried to do like some together and stuff like that but you were maybe not as much into that as as I am like I get a lot out of it um but you enjoy different spiritual practices than I do Mm. yeah and I think there's something in saying too that because I've seen it in my family where my dad definitely is the head of the household but it's not in a you must always obey his way type thing unless it's his opinion on politics (laughs) (laughs) then he's never wrong (laughs) no he's never wrong even when I prove he's wrong he always pretends that my opinion was his opinion but anyway (laughs) I have grown up in a you know in somewhat a traditional kind of setup and so there is nothing wrong with that as long as there's this choice of and a freedom of each person getting to be fully who they were created to be I think where I kind of get a wee bit and a, a frightened is if that you were ever to feel like it was your role to completely dictate what I can cannot do and how I get to express my faith for example or you get to have the final say in what I feel strongly and my convictions and and, mm. and so on um and so because there's loads of things that I will rely on you for that you're yep. far better than what I am but and I completely then respect you in that you know in, in yep. a relationship but I also think that God calls you to be like that for me as well mm-hmm. as a Christian anyway that's my opinion anyway yep. you might you might think differently it's all going to come out now you're like no you must do everything I <laughs> tell you to do Katie <laughs> no I, th- I think like with any uh, relationship it should always be like a partnership that you're mm. working together I have definitely seen a lot of cases in the sort of evangelical church where the husband gets this like word from the Lord of this is what we're supposed to do, whether it's giving away all their savings or deciding to move across the world to plant a church in a different country. And whenever it actually happens, the husband has the final say on it and the woman ends up really in a sort of bad place mentally Mm. because it's not what they wanted and they weren't in an equal partnership and they weren't equals in the relationship and it had a massive impact on their mental health and and well-being. It's really interesting that you say that because I recently saw something on an account I follow on Instagram and so I follow lots of random accounts so that my social media feed isn't an echo chamber but this account was very much um, all about being a submissive wife to the extreme and as I said there is nothing wrong with you know fitting into kind of this traditional stereotypical roles if that is what works and that's a choice and and so on who am I to argue against somebody's choice but it's when there's like a flawed logic that kind of makes me upset so this person had basically said that Paul only told wives to submit tell me where the verse is like that yep. says about husbands submitting explicitly. And I was like, that's really dangerous because 
there's probably lots of things that Paul didn't touch on in certain letters because they weren't relevant to that kind of context that he was writing to. Also, it's understanding his language that he uses for all of those verses that we can at times use against people. Um, And sometimes I think that's where we miss, as you said, those things that actually highlight partnership and mutual respect and coming together. That's just the way I choose to look at it whether or not I'm correct in that but that's definitely how I want to choose to read his words um and I just think we we need to be careful when we say it explicitly doesn't say that yeah what I find with a lot of people who maybe hold beliefs or opinions like that is that they look at the bible as if it you can just go in pick a verse out and that is the kind of clear definitive statement Mm -hmm. about what God has exactly said now for me like looking at Paul like the best of Paul is when you're reading stuff like there is no Greek there is no Gentile there's no slave or free no male or female Um, and you can go on into other categories and how like there's no distinction between us and them and you can't sort of scapegoat or, or push off and the worst of Paul is these sort of individual verses that can be picked out and used as weapons uh, against people without taking into consideration the fact that like Paul lives in a society where there is like an order to a household there is a hierarchy that exists within mm. society that he is writing as well um, for his time in what some argue is progressive depending on which book you're reading I suppose but even at the start of that chapter in Ephesians where it talks about like wives submitting to your husband it literally says submit to one another like submit mm-hmm. to everyone like so you as an individual like you're supposed to be in service of of all and in, in love of all and if the motivation to submit isn't like love then it's not worth mm-hmm. anything because it's better to say to serve I'd say than to submit like mm-hmm. you are just there to try and show love to show care and hospitality for those who who need it and for those who were considered lower in that society like women in that society in sort of Greco-Roman world to show them service as mm-hmm. is, is profound not saying that Paul definitely believed that. Uh, I think there was definitely <laughs> patriarchal sort of beliefs there. And it's hard to tell exactly who he was as an individual. But that's one way of looking at it. If you want to take a progressive stance, mm. I suppose, on, on the verses. I think that's the thing with all the verses that we can sometimes use against women. We, as you said, we pick out these certain things, especially from Paul's letters, but often we don't look at the context behind them. And that has obviously been a big debate in literature and scholars' opinions over the years in terms of, well, did he actually mean that in that sense? Or was there something going on behind the scenes that he had to say that? So whether it's like head coverings for women or not speaking up and so on. And so I just think it's always really important that especially when we choose verses that can have such an impact on somebody's life well-being and who actually in my opinion God has created them to be so I believe that all of us are created in you know in the image of God every single person whether you're male female gay straight whatever race every single person has been made in the image of God so to say that one is less than the other doesn't sit right with me so I think we need to be really careful when we pick certain things out 
and purposely use them to demean somebody or purposely use them to kind of get our own way whether it's in relationships or opportunity and so on and the whole kind of argument of it's there because women are naturally weaker it's god's design because women are weaker whatever these whole things i'm like women are weaker women (laughs) women's bodies are amazing Mm -hmm. they literally give birth to new life and I know for a fact sometimes I'm tougher than you (laughs) (laughs) like mentally and physically not all the time but um like opening jars (laughs) (laughs) jars, and I just think it just shows you when a narrative kind of just becomes ingrained how people just like spout it off without ever really fully understanding where it's come from why it's been used and so on we just believe because we've been told so I think that's the thing I've always kind of struggled with because I didn't grow up just being told it. Mm-hmm. I've had to like wrestle it and come through the other end. And I really don't care anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> as in if people say, oh, stop being like a feminist and all this here. Or, or they come at you with like this really complex argument that yeah. somehow weaves together these like individual like selections of scripture I always kind of describe it as like a a velvet rope tour through scripture where they're like just avoid that passage just avoid that passage just look at these ones and then my argument works um it was something that I posted the other day of someone that I follow on twitter a tweet from them that basically mentioned that there is really no such thing as a sort of biblical worldview because your worldview is shaped by Mm. all these other cultural factors like patriarchy like capitalism that cause you to see the bible Mm. in a specific way and you come with that already there and the difficulty with interpreting the text is that you need to try and remove those subcultural influences Mm. and if you're not sort of removing those then that's where the sort of harm can come in yeah i also think in all of this too remember that god has given us brains he's given us logic he's given us reason so um quick story from growing up as well i've always been into politics world affairs and so on because my dad again (laughs) he never like hid anything away from us and he always taught us so i was always quite in the know and i remember being in school and this guy probably comes from a quite more conservative kind of definitely more conservative more conservative background um, but I remember us having a debate of something because our political opinions wouldn't align. Um, and he made, now, he said it in a jokey way, but most likely also was low-key his opinion. He says, oh, you should just be in the kitchen. Women shouldn't have an opinion on politics, right? And it annoyed me because there was no logic in that. Because actually, I have more qualifications than him now. I probably had read more about different opinions yep. at that time and so on so for me there was there is absolutely no logic in that opinion yep that has come from oh well that's just the way it is that is a traditional kind of worldview biblical view if you want to call it that to you god doesn't make us these smart intellectual beings not to use logic and reasoning yeah exactly. and i don't feel like that goes against god's will or structure for mankind if you look at it, let's take coronavirus, right? A what? lot of people haven't been using their reason with coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, but what country has done so well? 
America. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what, what country's done so well? New Zealand. New Zealand. Who is their prime minister? A female. Yes. So where exactly. is your logic and reasoning in saying that she is less or should not be in that position? Has a woman ever started the war? Well. Maybe. Catherine the Great? Mm. Russian? There you go. Maybe. Maybe. Don't know. Don't really know that side of Russia. Well, majority of wars, though, it's just men being like, yep, I've got bigger (laughs) man parts than you. I know. And then the women, as we've seen in World War II, had to pick up the pieces and run the factories and so Mm -hmm. on. Now, saying that, don't want to use the wars of the world to say that men constantly make bad choices or do stupid things and that one that women are better than men because that just defeats the purpose of this whole talk (laughs) about raising women up but I suppose it's um bringing out the good in both yeah just teaching sort of how to be a man in a healthy yeah (laughs) like as in make it normal yeah yeah, exactly just being emotional like I am totally comfortable with that like very fortunate with uh, my sort of appearance as well that They've always kind of brought me up that way. As you know, my dad has got that sort of like soft, almost mm. emotional side to him as like well. Like your dad and my dad are so opposite. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yet similar in a lot of ways yeah, as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Um, but yeah, it was just like a really healthy... Like it wasn't always like that, but um, definitely from my sort of teenage years on he was great and sort of demonstrating to me as healthy masculinity um and I think just more examples of that will be helpful for people mm, yeah I, I, I definitely agree it is just about making as you said it's egalitarian that's always the more pal- palatable kind of choice of words that people within the church like to egalitarian yeah like because it can be egalitarian and not a feminist <laughs> but it's basically <laughs> well, that's it's basically think. the same they thing think you can be egalitarian <laughs> and not a feminist but i, I disagree yeah, <laughs> i think it's just the choice of words isn't it it's also what certain words are attached to because it's like socialism yeah <laughs> perfect example yeah. yeah socialism in its essence why would anybody be against it but in ways that it's progressed throughout history sometimes hasn't been always yeah it's like you could read this sort of passage from isaiah of like i've came to proclaim liberty mm. to the captives like and um justice for the oppressed and everything like that and you could say all of it and someone in church could be going, amen, amen. And then you go, yeah, so that's basically socialism. <laughs> and then they'll be like, yeah. no, that's demonic. Yeah. Or it's like, oh, the early church, they all threw everything they had into one pot. Everybody got an equal share. It's like, oh, went the early church on fire, axe. We want to like live a more axe-filled life. And you're be like, this generous. Socialism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, exactly. Um, just in terms of like a theological aspect of this it is practical as well because it comes into the sort of liturgies and the way that church word things and say things what do you think about sort of language around god obviously sort of steeped in the masculine steeped in father son is very male oriented what's your sort of thoughts on language around Mm. the divine feminine you're never really taught that from the front i think The only maybe passage or first that is ever spoken at the front is, you know, that 
I am probably totally misquoting here because I don't have it off the top of my head but one of the Psalms like you know under the kind of the wing the kind of mothering wing like I don't know what the actual language is but it connotes that um you never hear of anything else so it's always father it's always son um well Jesus was a male so (laughs) makes sense but in terms of you only ever really hear of the father and it's um he is good I never really probably had any connection to any feminine Mm -hmm. words for God until we started speaking about it more yeah and you start to see the characteristics of God that probably would be aligned to our understanding of something feminine Mm mm-hmm yeah it's so interesting like I've learned so much especially recently about this even like looking at historic church figures like Julian of Norwich she even though Jesus as a man was male obviously if you're looking at this aspects of the divinity of Jesus then God being gender neutral in that regard that embodying the best of both and all uh, variations of gender that there can possibly be um, that Jesus was a mother that was the words that she used and she was like considered part of the church there was questions around whether or not she was orthodox but generally accepted as orthodox and she's very trinitarian in their language she's very much about the divinity of jesus but she uses so much language that's really poetic and beautiful about the mothering nature Mm. of jesus which i just find so so interesting and then also just looking at the way that the holy spirit and the Hebrew is feminine and the Greek is neutral and then in the Latin is masculine. Mm. It's so interesting to see as well. But when do you ever hear about that if you don't kind of go and search that knowledge out? Yeah, you don't. It's it's not really mentioned that mm. much. You get this aspect of where people will say, oh, like, God, although we describe him as father is gender neutral he has the best of both masculine and feminine but then as soon as you're like okay well let's say god our mother then people freak out like there's something say, bad about like, that do you not feel that if you were starting if you started to use kind of the more feminine pronouns and so on people would have a complete freak out yeah it'd be like heretical (laughs) you'd be like a new heretic but it's not heretical like it's throughout church history it's more than just julian of norwich Mm. but then that comes down to there's a lot of church history as i said that we have completely skimmed over so we just jump on these certain verses or what we've been told to believe but when we look at actual history and what archaeologists are finding we see that patriarchal societies covered over any evidence of like female bishops Mm -hmm. way back in the day in the early church yep so our whole understanding has been skewed and we've we're probably missing such a rich kind of understanding and way of connecting to god yeah you wonder how much was like lost throughout history by the fact that men have been such like <laughs> dickheads you know what I mean uh, I was gonna be like, I was gonna say I'll be careful this isn't about bashing men but yeah <laughs> no like literally <laughs> as this whole thing has been we don't really use our logic or reasoning sometimes yeah in all of it but 
I'm very thankful for men like you, for example, without oh, being all gushy because I don't like that. <laughs> but this is what I need because I'm emotional. You yeah. <laughs> but because you do champion women and it's not in a because you feel like you have to. It's because you just see how things are and how they should be. Yep. And I would love to see more women, you know, being up there and not then just fitting at the front fitting into a role that's palatable because she's yep. female if that makes sense sometimes yeah. that can always be the way too it's like if we're going to have a female at the front she's going to be the one that talks about a certain subject yeah or like let's talk about this women's conferences why is there always a man in the ad part of it yeah do you i don't know if you've ever experienced that but i've experienced that where even at female conferences there always has to be like a male but there's never guy a woman speaking at men's but there's never yeah yep what that that doesn't logic and reasoning once again when there's like hundreds of women at this there's definitely more than a handful of people that can do all the rules yeah now sometimes maybe there's not in terms there might not be a female who has maybe trained in sound technology i'm not saying that there is or there's not but that could be a random example if you're in a small church of like 50 people yeah you might need to bring a guy in to do something at the back but there's no need in terms of the at the front in my opinion yeah there's always going to be someone who can speak even if it's like your granny who's just been in the church for like <laughs> 60 years who's going to have more wisdom than like the 30 year old on fire quote unquote like male pastor who's went and started a, a church that's just for instagram likes you know what i mean yeah i just feel like this topic's so big and we've literally just skimmed so many points little parts of it yeah because it's as you said there's a historic element there's society pressures and on and on we could go there's just so much to talk about yeah and we'll plan to get more people on to talk about some of those subjects individually and have more sort of discussions around this but covered quite a lot today i think yeah it was just more of a general chit chat yeah Hope you've enjoyed it and uh, we'll see you again next week. See you. I don't know. We won't even hear you. (laughs) You'll hear us next week on the Space Between podcast. This passage and prayer is taken from Way Marks by Peter Miller. There may be many uncertainties in the world but we can be sure that God need not always be spoken of as male. In trying to reach an understanding of God, we can use both male and female images and metaphors. Defying truth is fathomless and our words can never describe God fully. The writer C.S. Lewis was quite clear on this. He noted that our personal ideas about God are not divine ideas. The fact is that God is neither male nor female and is always bringing us to new insights about the eternal mystery. For example, one of the Iona liturgies uses a wonderfully evocative description of God as the midwife of change. I like that very much. Blessed is she who spoke and the world became. Blessed is she. Blessed is she who in the beginning gave birth. Blessed is she who says and performs. Blessed is she who declares and fulfills. Blessed is she whose womb covers the earth. 
Blessed is she who lives forever and exists eternally. Blessed is she who redeems and saves. Blessed is her name.